From Nashville, Tennessee, it's the weekly Grace Church Nashville podcast. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Grace Church Nash and use the hashtag located in the podcast description. And now here's Lyndall Cooley with this week's message. Well, I'm in a very precarious situation this morning, if you'll be patient with me. Uh, This may not be one of my better sermons, uh, because honestly, I, um, I changed it at 10.30 last night. And the Lord, I'm going to blame him for it anyway, I, I... I heard a phrase in my spirit that said, you're troubled about many things. And I looked it up in the scripture, and I'm going to take you there if you don't mind. And I'm going to share a vision or a dream that I had, which I don't do a lot in sermons. I believe in preaching the word. There's going to be plenty of word. There's going to be a, a, a something in the very beginning. Just bear with me, will you? Just hang with me and let me get to the punchline. Will you do it? Give me your best ear. I, um, I believe that we're in a great, great transition, uh, in the, not only in the world, but in the kingdom of God. Uh, God is about to do some phenomenal things. And God is calling in all available soldiers, all available sons and daughters, to kick into high gear. And I've been preaching that now for a couple of years. About eight months ago, uh, again, I can't tell you if it was a dream, can't tell you it was a vision. All I know is I had a visual, okay? I saw a massive book, and it was just, it was huge, as big as this pulpit, okay, the top of this pulpit, this lectern, and, and it was open like my Bible is open. You see that? The right, I saw the hands and forearms of someone, and there was a page in the air, like you turn a page, you know, with your your index finger and your thumb and it was a huge book so it was you know it was had more had more dramatic effect than my small bible here but as it was lifted it got about 10 o'clock and I heard a voice say to me when I when I turn this page you will not be able to see the words here anymore and I said okay what does that mean he assured me that it wasn't because he doesn't love his people, okay? He assured me that. It wasn't because he had given up on his people. It's because he has been signaling the kingdom of heaven to activate for quite a while. We've been hearing rumor rumblings for a really long time of what God's about to do in the world. And all of you who follow Jesus, I believe we all serve the same Jesus, And the Holy Spirit has been talking to us for a while, speaking to us privately. And the Lord said to me, he said, these are the people that I have dealt with, but won't hear me. So I'm going to raise up a new crop. Now, I don't believe these people are going to hell. I don't believe God's mad at them. He just can't convince them to come into the secret place and get equipped. They're not prepared But see, I love it because as things move darker in the earth, the more acute our listening has to become to hear the Lord. As the noise around us gets louder, we have to hear him better, 
Remember this. The Lord always speaks to his children. He's always speaking. If you ever find that you can't hear him, remember it's probably because the noise around you is too loud. Right? And he will not come turn the noise down. You have to turn the noise down. You have to focus your attention on him. Hear him. Get close to him. I love John the Beloved who laid his head on Jesus' chest all the time because he wanted to hear the heartbeat of God. And that's a picture to me of who we are and who we're supposed to be. And the Lord said to me, I'm not, I'm going to raise up a new generation, a new crop, not just young people, but old people who will move quickly at the sound of my voice. I don't know what's going on in your life, but let me confess what's going on in my life. I have been in a personal season of repentance for quite a while now, probably a year and a half. Because I fell away? No. But because I didn't feel equipped and ready. I felt too distracted. I felt too encumbered. You know, remember the scripture that was written to the church when it said, Therefore, lay aside the weight and the sin that's besetting you. Lay it aside. It's your job to lay it aside, right? That's what the apostle said, lay it aside. And I guess that's what I've been doing, laying aside. And when you lay it aside and you come to the Lord, you go, oh, a lot of people say repentance is only for salvation. I think a great worshiper is constantly repenting as they get more holy. The more you come into Jesus, the more you go, man, I don't look like him. I'm sorry, God, I don't look. And little by little, he is so precious. He's so sweet because he never gives you the full load at one time. He never... You know what I mean? He never shows you everything that needs to be corrected at one time. You'd probably give up if he did. But in his great mercy, he just little by little goes, now let's deal with that right there. And he'll, he'll magnify it. And you'll go, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't even see that. And he'll just clear it up and clean it up. It's a beautiful thing. And I've been in that for a while. I, uh, removing distractions, removing mindsets, removing entertainment that calls me from deeper devotion to Jesus. You know, a lot of things aren't bad that distract you. They're just distractions. They're good things, but they distract. But I've never seen, and I'm going to get a little dark here, and then I'm going to get really light. Okay, it's going to really get good. I've never seen the people of God under the level of tact that I'm seeing right now. I've never seen it. I've never seen the enemy more interested in dividing us than he is right now. Never in my life. I called a couple of ministers this week, and... And uh, because I've been feeling an uneasiness, I've been feeling, I don't know how to explain it, a dread. Not as far as Jesus, but as far as things that are about to come into the realization in the church. I feel this dread. When, When things happen wrong in the body of Christ, my first thought is not the person who who messed up or didn't do the thing perfectly. I care about them, of course, and their families. But the biggest thing I worry about are the babies in Jesus. It's like when I hear some guy, there's some guy I've got to unfriend him, and I don't like doing that. But he puts on Facebook every single minister who has a moral failure and, and goes, see, see. And it's like, what a Pharisee you are, my brother. What a Pharisee that you celebrate the falling of brothers. That's a thing to celebrate. And my first thought goes to those babies in Jesus that have just come into the house of the Lord. And they're going, man, if he can't make it, what about me? 
So I think that's the ecclesia. We need to deal with mess ups that we have, which hang around long enough. We'll have some. You know, hang out, hang around. We'll all mess up sometime and it's okay. We have grace and the mercy of Jesus. Let's just, but, but the big, big deal is we don't penalize people for falling. We celebrate them for getting up. I think we should make the celebration for how you get up such a big deal that we forget that you fell. Because that's the important thing. We can all fall. We can all mess up. But it's how you get up. You pull yourself together. You humble yourself before the Lord and your brothers and sisters and say, okay, I'm going to try this again. And our job as brothers and sisters is to say, okay, brother, let's go. And not ever hold it against them. So I'm seeing this. I, I called a, a pastor friend of mine this week and I was talking to him and he said, man, if I had an hour, I could tell you minister after minister. He said, there is a minister that is a seasoned minister who is dealing with a death wish. The enemy is tormenting him with suicide. And this is not a novice. This is a very strong minister. It's almost like what we're watching in the natural in the Ukraine is happening in the spiritual. Putin is not interested in just hitting military targets. It's apparent, as far as I can see, I'm not there, but from what I'm able to ascertain, he's not interested in just hitting, he's hitting civilian targets. And, and some of the cities, it's, it's a scorched earth kind of approach. Let me just burn everything down. Let me destroy everything. And guys, the Bible predicted that this would come to the people of God, that the enemy would get reared up and angry and he would seek to devour and he would take on a scorched earth policy. I've been pastoring a long time. I have never dealt with more people that are in more trouble dealing with big, heavy things. And now I'm not going to stay here, so don't get dark on me, okay? Uh, Myself, I have never dealt with infirmity ever in my life like I have for the last two years. Infirmity. It gets over and it starts again. It stops and it starts again. The minute I have three weeks of freedom and I'm okay, of course, all the Word of Faith people, well, you ain't got enough faith. If I don't, can I borrow some of yours? I really need a little bit more. Just give me some of yours if I need some more faith. All I'm telling you is I see one thing after, and if it's happening to me as a pastor, it's got to be happening in your home too. It's a, it's the finances, it's the children, it's the emotions, it's everything. And the minute I'm past something, here comes something else. And it's, the Bible says that the enemy would come, Satan would come to try to wear down or wear out the saints, just to wear them down. And when you get worn out, you get edgy. Is anybody here? You get edgy, you get difficult, you get prickly. You become a prickle pair. Anybody been That's my wife. She knows when I'm prickly. Don't talk to him today. No, I'm kidding. But I'm seeing it across the body of Christ. Sickness, infirmity, distress, depression, fear, distraction, attacking families, businesses, churches. Anyone who would dare stand in the way to be a hindrance to the spirit of the world. So how are we going to deal with it? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's going up from here. huh? I'm the guy that I don't know where this came from. It comes from the, it comes from the grace of God because I'm not supernatural. I'm not super, I am supernatural, but I'm not superhuman. And I, I'm, a, I'm a creative, so I can get moody and dark right with you, man. If you want to go down a black hole, I'll jump in with you. 
And man, we'll just, we'll just all just sit there and listen to morbid music and think horrible thoughts. I mean, I can jump in with you. The sky is falling. I can chicken a little with you all day long. You know, I've got a farm. Guy's got a farm. There, you know, if you've got a house, praise God. Because if you have a farm, you've got 61 times more in my case. He's got a hundred and something more times. There's something that's got to be done. The driveway needs to be fixed. It doesn't matter what it's made out of. If it's gravel, it's right. It doesn't matter. Something's grown. Something's broken. Something's falling apart. Air conditioner ain't working. I mean, it's just huge. And sometimes when you're down, that stuff can pile on you and just feel like there's there's no hope. That's what am I going to do? That's what I'm seeing. So I look to the word of God. My, my, my. And I want to take you somewhere here for a few minutes. I promise I won't be long at all. At all. Okay? I'm, 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 like the, I'm like the tail of the cat that got caught in the washing machine. It won't be long now. It... Okay. <laughs> That's a bad picture, isn't it? Poor cat. Oh, dear. I have three cats. The only one that I like. When you live on the farm, cats are a necessary evil. They, they eat mice and critters. The only trouble is they eat the things you don't want them to eat, like little birds and chipmunks. And Now, they can eat all the squirrels and mice they want because squirrels are nothing more than tree rats. <laughs> They'll chew up everything in your house if they get in there. Hey, I learned a secret, guy. I don't know if you know this. If you live in the country, you know what will get squirrels out of your attic besides pr- repairing the hole where they're coming in? The charcoal. Charcoal. We did it, and it worked, because I heard, I mean, they were having squirrel parties above my bed every night. And I read somewhere that you could go buy charcoal briquettes and put them in little boxes and just set them all around the attic. You know what? I haven't heard one little ever ever since. They don't like grilling out. They don't. They don't enjoy it, so it... Don't invite a squirrel to a grill. Of course, if you're a redneck, you'll eat him. Anyway. <laughs> How many ever ate squirrel? Some more rednecks out there. It's a little greasy, ain't it? Just a little, little greasy. But hey, in a pinch, anything will do, right? Thank God we weren't poor enough when I was a kid to eat possum. I ain't eating no possum. That thing grins at you all the time. I ain't, I'm not... But I looked to the scripture and I said, Lord, how do we deal with this? How can I encourage the people of God today? How can I speak to them and how can I bring them into this wonderful experience I'm having? And I'm going to do my best to do that. Is that okay? I looked at this scripture in Ephesians 6, 11, and it says, I I notice, see, you may not notice all the stuff I notice when I read, but I notice every word. Like, I can meditate, like, on three words out of the Bible for a day and just go, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. This one, put on. Just stop right there. Put on. Isn't it interesting that it's not already on? You got saved at the altar and you got redeemed on the inside, but evidently you still got stuff to put on. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to do what? Stand against the schemes of the devil. It doesn't say, I, 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 I love this analogy that 
you know, a lot of the warfare guys, I mean, they, they'll fight with a beetle. I mean, they don't care. They'll get, a, they'll get a beetle on the sidewalk and have, have warfare with it. I'm not looking for warfare. I don't like it. Do you? I don't love it. And warfare for me is like a last resort. If I've got to do it, I'll do with it. Because when the enemy comes into your home, you kind of got to run him off. You got to bind him and go, huh? No, you're not doing it. Get off my kids. Leave me alone. You're illegal. Get out now. Y'all would think we were just weirdos. When my boys were dealing with stuff through their lives and they've stuff tried to attach to them. See, I see it as spiritual stuff, right? And kids are going to try stuff. You know that they're going to try stuff. And when I found out one of my kids had tried some stuff, I prayed over them. They renounced it, said, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm done with it. I said, good. Then if it's hovering around this house, let's go ahead and chew it on out. And I know I sound like a weirdo intercessor, but I am a weirdo intercessor. And I just opened the back door and I said, in the name of Jesus, anything that came in with this paraphernalia and any of this kind of thought process, anything hanging in the atmosphere has no authority here. This is a house of the Lord. This is the kingdom of God. And I am the head of this house. And in the name of Jesus, I tell you, get out and take all your buddies with you. And I literally opened the door and just go right on out, boys. Y'all think I'm weird. I'll tell you a story, and I'm going to get real spiritual and weird here. here. The spirit world is more real than the natural. You do understand that. The spirit world is very real. When we got this building, there was something hanging up upstairs. Something hanging out up there. I don't know what it was. But it, it, it was familiar, and it had home. It stayed up there. And when you go up the stairs, you just feel creepy. Up at, right up there. Not because it was dark. You just feel like, even Larry, he don't feel nothing. (laughs) And Larry told me, he said, it feels weird up there. I said, well, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get the prayer people out. So I called the frontline prayer people. I called in every reinforcement. I said, let's go through this whole building, anoint it with oil and dedicate it to the Lord. And anything that might be hanging out, we'll just tell it it has no authority. Because you never know in these movie theaters what got shown here. What kind of stuff was entertained, right? The Bible says you entertain angels unaware. You entertain the Lord too. You understand? We entertain, right? And man, it was was just thick up there. And we got to praying. And we, I mean, we got to going for it. And then after that, about a week of that, fasting and praying, then... I had all of you church folks who were in our church to come in and we wrote blessings for each room. Remember that? We wrote a blessing for every room, even the bathrooms. We wrote blessings for. And we put them on paper and then we put the elements of communion at a table. And we said, if you're a single person, then receive communion by yourself. If you're a, a married person, receive with your maid or your children or whatever. But just go room by room. And if you can't think of a blessing to, pre- to speak over the room, we've wrote down a guide for you. You can use your own, but, it, but here's some guidelines. And wherever you feel the most pulled, have communion right there. Just stop. And so we put worship music in every room in this building, including upstairs. So we did that for about two days. And then I'm, I just overbear, I overbear everything. We went out and got about six gallons of olive oil. And we got, to, I'm an anointer. Bible says anoint their heads with anoint. It says it, lay it on their hands. It's all in the Bible. Rip it out if you don't believe in it, but it's there. So we went and got the big oil. I mean, we got the drums. And we, we got a bunch of uh, 
old, uh, old dish detergent dispensers, the squeezy kind, and we fill them up with oil, and we went all the way around this four acres and made one continuous unbroken line of oil all the way around this line. And we left an opening at the driveway. And then we got everybody here, and I said, I want you to join hands, and we're going to sweep anything out that's hanging out. And we're going to take it right out the driveway, and then we're going to cover it with oil too and tell them it has no right to ever come here again. Well, we did it, man. You know what the result was? One of our tech guys was up there trying to hook everything up before we had our first Sunday here. And I said, bro, it's taking you four days to get two days of work done. Man, we got to get this done. And he looked at me and his tears, tears were coming down his face up there. He said, Lyndall, I don't know what to tell you. But it feels like the angels of the Lord are up here. And he said, I try to work and then I think about the goodness of the Lord and I start weeping and I, I just lay on the floor and weep for 30 minutes and then I pull myself together. These are technical people. They don't feel God. You don't understand that. They, they, they don't do that. He said, I just lay and weep in the presence of the Lord. Right? I believe we're in that moment right now. We're coming in and, and, and having on the whole armor of God. Is, is never was an option, but for now, right now, we stand against it. We stand against it. A lot of people say, well, we're the army of God. But mostly what I find in the scripture is the heavenly host. The angelic forces are the army of the Lord. We're sons and daughters of God, inheritors, ambassadors. Is anybody, is anybody here? When we step onto the battlefield, it's already a decided battle. The battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. You don't understand what I'm saying. I'm telling you, whatever battle you go through, the Lord has already put the ramparts of heaven, the ramparts of heaven in place. And then when you finally realize it's a fighting war, you walk out there in the name of the Lord with the whole armor of God, and you just, and they do the work. You just confess the word of God and speak the name of Jesus over stuff and take authority in the name of Jesus because someone has to speak through a fleshly body and declare the goodness of the Lord. You have to make the declaration and, and the battle's done. I mean, it's just how God does it. The big deal about battling is not to pick your own battle and, and wait till the Lord's got everybody there. <laughs> It's kind of like starting worship here on Sunday morning. None of y'all are here. So I'm going to start just throwing the first song away because nobody's here. Well, you don't want to get on the battlefield and have no one there. You want the Lord to have it all ready and then whoop, here we go. Because the victory is sure because it's the Lord. Ephesians 6, 3, 13. Therefore, take up. Now we're putting on back in six eleven. Now we go down a few verses and he says, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Do you think we might be in an evil day? Work with me. This will take all day if you don't. Do you believe we're in an evil day? I do. And having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. Having girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's beautiful because it's not your righteousness. It's his. It's beautiful. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, the shield of faith. With which... You will be able to quench all the fiery darts. Does it say all? 
It's not intended when your shield of faith is up for any to get through and penetrate you. All, everybody say it, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always. Look at that. You never stop praying. With all prayer. Well, now, wait a minute. What, what kind of prayer am I praying? I'm praying prayers of repentance. I'm praying prayers of declaration. I'm praying prayers of enforcement. I'm praying prayers of request. I'm praying prayers of petition. All prayer. All of it. (laughs) And be watchful to this end with all, here's the key, perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So I believe as we move forward in these days to come, we've got to get more prepared to stand. We've got to prepare ourselves. We've got to put it all on. Take it up. Get it on. Get it in place. It's there, but if you don't take advantage of it, fiery darts are not comfortable. Now let me go to my second point and what I think is another very important part of standing in these hours. I understand. I've talked to some of you. I've got the calls. I don't know what I can. I don't think I can take much more. I don't think I can take much more. Anybody going through stuff? Going through, I mean, crazy stuff, right? Yeah, we know. Okay. I looked at this passage last night with fresh eyes. And, and it's, this is what the Lord gave me. It's like he said, preach this. And I went, well, I thought I had a decent sermon. What, what are we messing it up for? You know, I had, I mean, I had all my theology in place and it was so wonderful and well, I thought it was wonderful, but you probably wouldn't have liked it. But I looked at Luke ten thirty-eight. Look at that with me. It says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Look at that. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my big, fat, lazy sister has left me to serve alone? Well, my paraphrase. I know how sisters talk to one another. I have two boys. It's pretty brutal. You not care that my sister's left me to do all the serving? Therefore, tell her to help me. Sounds like my wife asking me to intervene with the boys. I said, you're the mom. She said, but they listen better to you. Okay, whatever. Tell her to help me. That's what what uh, Martha's doing. Will you tell her because she's not listening to me. I've I've rolled eyes. I've given dirty looks. And she just won't do nothing. I mean, I got to have help here. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha. You know, when Jesus says your name twice. It's always interesting, right? Oh, Lindo, Lindo. Martha, Martha, you're worried. You're worried. See, worry destroys faith. Worry puts faith in reverse. Worry is an activator just the same as faith is. Faith is believing for things that are coming that are good. Worry is believing for things that are going to go bad. And 90% of what you worry about never happens. Isn't that true? Anybody here? 90% of what you worry about, I know, I I can create some scenarios that scare you. 
Get me on a good day and I can worry, 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 worry. And Jesus said, Martha, you're just worried and troubled. He takes it to another level. Have you ever been to a place where you worried so much that it troubled you and you didn't have peace? You were just fit to be tied, torn up, all messed up, worried to death, and worried over things that never will happen, and 90% of the time never do happen, and the 10% that do happen are never at the level that you had them pictured. You kind of look at it and go, well, that wasn't so bad. Me, I'm not a dentist guy. I hate going to the dentist. I think it's a torture chamber. I just think that... People say, I don't get all the stuff. Are you out of your mind? When I go, I go, shoot me up, whatever you got. I'm not a drug addict, but I want it all. I want to float on that magic carpet all the way to to the ceiling. You want gas? Please. And if they don't give me enough, I go, hit it a little harder there. I still am here. I don't want to be here. But you know, almost every time, I've really not had a horrible dentist experience. And most every time I walk away going, well, that was nothing. But boy, a root canal sure sounds bad on the front end, doesn't it? It's like, what we're going to do is we're going to go in there and break your bone. <laughs> I go, Ooh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Give me one more shot. You're worried. You're troubled. And it's not just a couple things. Look what Jesus says to her. Look at this. Again, take this scripture apart with me. I'm almost finished. This is about all my sermon. I mean, literally. You're worried and you're troubled about many things. It's not just the fact that you're in the kitchen and Martha's at my feet, Mary's at my feet. There's a bunch of stuff bothering you. You're complaining. It's coming from deeper places and other things than just your sister. There's a bunch of stuff that you've been working and brewing and stewing. And you've baked this cake and put way too much yeast in it. And it's boiling out over everything. And it's messing up everything. You got many things that are bothering you. But look what he says. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. (sighs) Let me just try to open this up a little bit and we'll, we'll call it a day. But in the years of revival, I learned some things in intimacy with the Lord that I don't think the average church goer knows. That doesn't make me superior. It just gives me more time in the saddle. I probably have more worship saddle time than any worship leader on the planet. I don't even know how many hours. You cannot spend that much time with the Lord and not get some revelation about some things. You just do. And it's like I feel like somehow I'm going to be able to in 30, 45 minutes infuse all that to you every week. And it's just not, just not what's happening. The fact of the matter is this. <laughs> The Lord is calling you, and, and let me just address this, because there's a little spirit of religion on us, okay? Let's, we, we just, we all, it's easy to get into religion. Well, that's for them. You know, they see the ladies up here twirling the flags, and they got the river banners, and those are just kind of, they're, they're a little mental that they would do that kind of thing. Or you see some someone, 
knelt and they're weeping and rocking back and forth in the presence of God. And because we're so much more mature in the Lord, uh, we don't really need that. We just walk by faith and not by sight. You know what I learned? I learned that spectators never get in the game. And I learned that spectators never get their feet wet with the oil. I learned that it's the pursuers that come after God that go, God, whatever they have. Let me tell you, I used to be, I told you I was the high sheriff of heaven, right? Did y'all know that? I had, a, I had a badge and everything. And I kind of walked through the church and I'd turn on Christian television. And I knew who was right and who wasn't. And I'd get in meetings and somebody would be really ministering to the Lord and they'd be broken and weeping and laying on the floor. And I'd go, if they knew how stupid they looked, they'd, dignity, can we have some dignity? And do, I do believe things ought to be done in order. I, I'll tell you to this extent. If everybody's kneeling and weeping, then kneel and weep. If everybody's rejoicing and dancing, then rejoice and dance. Let's do it together, right? But I learned that through the years I judged people because I didn't have their experience. You see, if you'd have looked at Mary at the feet of Jesus, when she was putting the oil on his feet and drying his feet with her hair, you would have thought she, like the Pharisees, like the disciples, you would have thought she's wasting a lot of good oil and that really is messing her hair up and she's looking more like a tramp than she really is. But you see, this is a woman who had no other recourse. She had nothing else. Life had not been kind to her. She had reverted to prostitution, maybe because her husband died. I don't know the story fully of Mary. All I know is she had no other way to make money, and she found herself in a hellish mess. And when she saw Jesus, she looked at his disciples and goes, Why aren't you guys on your face in front of him? Why? Why are you letting him be here, and you're not attending to him? And she went out and got the most valuable thing she owned and poured it on his feet and dried his feet with her hair. She didn't realize, but she was preparing for his death. And Jesus said, everywhere that her name is mentioned, you'll remember that she did this. I started looking at those radical lovers of Jesus a little different than I used to. I started going, well, wait a minute. What is it in me that keeps my arms folded when the worship is going? What is it in me that keeps me from coming to the altar and falling on my knees and adoring my Savior? What is it? You know what it is? It's kind of a lax thing. It's not because we don't want to. It's because it's a thing we're not used to. And sometimes because we have forgotten. And we're troubled about many things. Many things have got our heads all confused. But Jesus said only one thing is important. There's just one thing. And you happen to be looking at him and you happen. Oh, you. Oh, my, 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 my. Martha forgot that this is the same man who took 12, 12 loaves of bread and a few fish and fed 5,000. He didn't have to have her in the kitchen. Is there anything wrong with being in the kitchen? No, I wish some of y'all would go in the kitchen. We're starving to death. We're eating all this junk food. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with serving. But Jesus was saying it's not because you're serving. It's because you are so troubled that it bothers you that Mary is taking a minute 
Because the Son of God is sitting in her living room. Why don't you get out of the kitchen and just come sit at my feet for a minute and let me talk to you and breathe on you and encourage you. Then you and Mary both can get up and prepare the lunch. But why don't you just take a minute? Yeah, let's work. Let's get it done. Let's do what we need to do. But I'm here right now. And while I'm here, why don't you attend to me? Because no one will attend to me. It takes a prostitute to see who Jesus is. It takes a blind man to say, son of David, have mercy on me. While the disciples are going, you need to be quiet. He goes, no, my hope is just coming down that road. If I'm ever going to see, I'm going to cry out. Don't shut me up. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. It's the one who returned who was a leper. See, you don't understand leprosy. Leprosy, your body starts falling to pieces and it's a foul stench. And they were put in a leper colony. It was like the plague. You could be a rich man or a rich woman. And if they found that, that sore on your body, they would take you to the priest and he would strip you naked and examine the sore to see if you really had leprosy. And at that point, it didn't matter if you were a billionaire. It didn't matter what you owned. It didn't matter who you knew. It didn't matter how fine your house was. But at that moment, you were taken out of your home, away from, you said goodbye to your children. You said goodbye to your wife. You said goodbye to society. And you were put in a stinky leper colony where many of the lepers were in much worse shape, closer to death than you. And I could imagine the one guy going, hey, have y'all heard about Jesus? They says he heals the sick. And I've heard he's even raised the dead. Have y'all heard about him? No. They say he's the Messiah. He's the son of God. They say that if he speaks, it has to happen. Have you heard about him? No. Tell me more. Well, I'm going to tell you who he is, but I'm going to tell you more. I hear that he's going to be right outside our colony and he's going to be on the road to a certain city and he's going to pass real close. What do you say? We break out and go find him. These boys broke out of the leper colony. And Jesus didn't do a lot other than just say, be healed, your faith has made you whole. And they all went back and showed themselves to the priest and they had no more leprosy. But here's the one I want to be. They all got a touch. They all got a miracle. But there was just one who said, you know what? I shouldn't be here today. I don't deserve to go back to my family. It's because of that man. And I'm not going to let him go by without him knowing how much I love him and how much I want to praise him. I'm just not going to let it happen. I'm going to make sure he knows. And one returned and said, Lord, I got to tell you, thank you. You see, it's always the minority who breaks through the many things. It's always the minority that goes to his feet and goes, I must have more. Do I believe I'm saved? Of course. Have I been healed? Of course. Do I love Jesus? Of course. 
But if you really think that we're sitting here in this building today and we've got all he has, really? I mean, we got the beginning startups here, but there's so much more of him. There's so much more of his ways. There's so much more of him to know. And when I was singing that song, breathe on me, power of God, come in and change me. I've already been changed from darkness to light, but I still don't look enough like him. Change me more. Change me more till I disappear and all people see is Jesus. I still stink too much. I still have attitudes. So forgive your pastor if I'm the first one in the pool. Forgive me if I get beside myself and dance and twirl. I have had hell come against me and my body. But, and I don't, I'm not trying to invite a, a, an attack here. But let me tell you. My favorite thing is to act like a fool in the presence of the Lord. And my favorite thing is to dance in his presence. I know I'm fat and ugly and old. It doesn't matter. The Lord loves a joyful noise. And what this infirmity has tried to do these last two years is take my dance away. But you'll notice up here, it hasn't. I mean, I'm down to a shuffle. But I said, God... I believe the bride of Christ when they see Jesus coming in clouds of glory. I believe we're going to dance. I believe we're going to celebrate. I believe we're going to dance with the king of glory. I believe it's going to be a festive, glorious, just free, joyous, wonderful experience. And I want to practice because some of y'all are so stoic. You're, not, you're going to need dance lessons. Heaven's going to have to have a dance place to teach you how. Before what, And I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to already have it down. When I see him, I'm going to be dancing. And I'll go, they'll be here later. We never could get them to dance in the church. They were too worried about many things. I don't know what a more worried and troubled society that we're living in now. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. But I've learned this, chewing on trouble. If you chew on trouble, it produces worry and anxiety. There are some very frightening things, huge things. Listen to this. Listen, I'm going to be cute, okay? There are some very frightening and some huge things, dot, 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 that haven't happened yet. Why don't you sit down at lunch today and go, yeah, inflation's getting a little high. I need to lose a little weight, so I'm going to share a hamburger instead of eating one by myself. Because most of us could eat on our fat for a while. But I thank God that this hamburger is on my plate. And I thank God that I can still afford to take out a small loan every time I fill my car. And I thank the Lord. Yeah. I'm going to have to probably quit the church. If we go up to 8 or $9 a gallon, we're just going to have to go to Columbia and pipe it in because it's just too expensive to get here. No, I'm kidding. I thank God that I've never had a bill that didn't get paid unless I forgot to pay it. I thank God. I'm going to thank him right now and quit worrying about the many things. I'm going to thank him right now, okay? Now, it, see, worry magnifies the possibility of horrible things. You say, well, Lyndall, am I supposed to ignore everything going on in the world? 
No. I, I, believe, I don't believe you should live with your head in the sand. The Word of God tells us to look up. God has made a very important promise, and I'm closing with this. Many important promises. Would you like to have them? It, they ought to make you happy. Of course, it's Sunday morning, and I don't know if anything can make you happy, but let's try. That was a joke. You can laugh. The button, laugh button, laugh. Thank you. Thanks very much. We'll edit out that where I had to hit the button, okay, because it, it, it will be more impressive that the people were that engaged. Here's the promises. He promised that you will never be forsaken and never left alone. It doesn't matter what you feel like. He has never left you alone. He promised that he will keep you in perfect peace. But the condition to that promise is if your mind is kept on him. I mean, work that one out. How are you going to have perfect peace if your mind's worried about war? Is war real? Yeah, I challenge all of you to watch the news. Is this Bible prophecy unfolding? I don't know. Let me tell you this. Let me just clear the air about the Bible prophecy thing. Okay, just real quick. Just pastoral talk here, okay? Is this the end of the end? I don't know. Do you? Right? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe we've got 50 more years. Maybe we've got 20 more years. I don't know. But I'm watching. I mean, a lot of prophets are really quick to spew out the mouth and go, well, this is that and this is that. And I just look at it and go, well, we'll see. It is interesting that it is interesting that all the players are there. We've got Russia involved with China. Really? Who would have thought that? Hey, you Chinese come over here and give us some extra backup to take over this tiny little nation. Something doesn't ring right to that with me, does it you? And you got NATO saber, saber rattling. Well, if they blow up something, we're going to come in there and. I mean, we could, we could be pulled into crazy in a minute, but we haven't been yet. Okay, what, what do you do with that? Well, you keep your mind on Jesus. You keep your mind on your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. You keep your mind on your children who don't know Jesus. You keep your mind on your task. I am a salt agent in a place that needs some salt. I am a light in a place that's dark. I've got good news for bad news. I'm telling you the kingdom of God is good. And God will forgive and love anyone who calls on his name. That's my job. That's the good news. That's where my mind has got to stay. And when I do that, he will keep me in perfect peace. Here's another promise. You will be given strategies in prayer to fight the good fight. In the prayer closet, God will reveal to you the secrets of the enemy and what he's doing. And you'll begin to pray against him. Oh, my, 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 my. How about this one? We've been given power to overcome the enemy. All three of us that believe it. We've been given authority to preach the kingdom of God. We have a sickle in our hand to reap the harvest of people for the king of kings. We have a promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We have access to peace in the middle of the storm. And the word says our strength is renewed daily.
Thanks for listening. For more information about Grace Church, you can visit us online at gracechurchnashville.com and find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gracechurchnash. Hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.